Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet. Each week, I'll be bringing you stories of people living lives of fruitful service, of peace, community, compassion, creative action, and progressive efforts. I'll be tracing the spiritual roots that support and nourish them in their service, hoping to inspire and encourage you to sink deep roots and produce sacred fruit in your own life. Let us sing song for the dream. This week's Song of the Soul guest, Peter Leidy, will be making a guest appearance at the big Northern Spirit Radio event coming up on October 15th that we're calling Broadcasting from the Heartland Fundraiser. We're going to be highlighting the role of local media in a healthy community with participation from the online news source, cvpost.org, and the evening will be emceed by Scott Morfitt of the local campus radio station, Blue Gold Radio. That Saturday, between 6 and 9, we'll have pizza and profundity. Some of the profundity coming from guest speakers like Mike McCabe and Matt Rothschild, but more riches coming through eight musicians, among them Cy Khan, Peter Alsop, Magic Mama, Ann Hills, Ken Longquist, Tom Rowley, and a duo called Squirrel Talk, and today's Song of the Soul guest, Peter Lighty. I learned about him through Madisonian Mike McCabe and found out about Peter's work for inclusion and justice, especially for people with disabilities, but also in terms of political empowerment for common people and celebration of place, in this case, Wisconsin. You're going to have fun and inspiration with Peter Lighty joining us by phone today from Madison, Wisconsin. Peter, thank you so much for joining me today for Spirit in Action. Well, Mark, thank you so much for inviting me to be with you. It's really a pleasure. Review for me again. You do a whole lot of professional talking, workshops, keynotes, and all that kind of thing. How is your life divided up in terms of that? And I, mean, I guess, you know, there's this piece that you have to go to your lonely writer's garret and produce your songs. How do you divide up your time? In a way, it sort of divides itself for me. And what I mean by that is that I'm self-employed. I have been for the last probably about 12 years now. And I didn't really plan to be self-employed, but I knew that when it was time for me to go into the next chapter of my work life after about 19 years working at a wonderful nonprofit organization here in Dane County, one thing led to another, and I started getting these little project offers and speaking and singing gigs and things like that. And it turned into, gosh, 12 years later, I'm still making a living doing this. And I love, love, love what I do. And so I divided out by probably a lot of people know me for music, which is great. And I love to sing and I love to write songs. And I do a lot of, a lot of my songs are parodies. That's not really how I make my living, but I do a lot of singing and songwriting related to my career as a consultant and a speaker and a workshop presenter. 
mostly having to do with disability services, disability supports, so families and organizations and states and counties that are working towards building good lives for people with disabilities and trying to make sure that people aren't left out. And so there's a big focus on inclusion and moving from segregation to integration and inclusion and a long history of people being institutionalized and separated from communities, from families. And so in a nutshell, my work is about helping figure out how we keep moving in the direction towards how do we take care of each other here in our communities and not get to a a point of sending people away or leaving people out or putting people even in our own community in a separate place from where the good stuff happens in life. So if I broke it down, I'd say half of what I do has to do with training or consulting and a quarter of what I do is actually, you know, speaking at a conference or speaking at a retreat or a recognition banquet or something like that. And a quarter has to do with music, I would say. One of the things for about eight years, I had this great, just, I, it was just such a fun thing that I got to do once a month on average for about eight years. I got to come on this show called Here and Now on Wisconsin Public Television And I got to come on that show once a month to do a singing commentary. You know, they were just great to work with. And I, you know, I would say, I've got this idea. This is what's going on, you know, in Wisconsin this week or in the last couple of days. And I've got an idea for a song. And so I'd show up and and sing it. And that was really fun. I, I mean, that was super fun. I cannot believe that I got to do that for like eight years. And I'm telling you this story because this is the classic example of me procrastinating it would literally be Friday morning and I've got to like, I got to get this done. Like I haven't started the song that I'm going to be singing later and I got to, <laughs> I got to do this. So come on, man, kick it into gear. And granted, I mean, I was working full time. I, I had a job. I, it wasn't like I sat around all week thinking, Hey, it's almost Friday and I haven't been doing anything. And also I wanted it to be as what if some really late breaking thing happened in in the news, you know, Friday afternoon, like I might want to include that. So I still kind of remember that feeling. I I did that until probably like it was around the time of the Capitol uprisings that I I knew I was going to be focusing any song writing creative ideas around that time were all going to be so slanted that it was going to be too hard to like just fully say what I wanted to say. Public broadcasting, PBS, NPR, all their affiliates, those people, and I'm a huge fan. I listen to NPR and I watch public television a lot. They're just under so much pressure to not be seen as too liberal, too left-leaning. There's, there's a lot of accusation about that. But I do know that if I had come on that show singing songs that were bashing Republicans every time I was on the show... I wasn't going to last very long, not because of anybody, but just because of the funders and all that. So plus, I found after living in Wisconsin for a number of years that you could kind of do a little bit of satire that was very broad in terms of like, no matter what the political party, no matter who is in power, no matter, you know, I'm pretty sure Jim Doyle was not a fan of me. (laughs) Um, and so and Jim Doyle was governor for those who are listening from in California who have no idea who we're talking about here (laughs) exactly he was a two-term governor here and he was a democrat and there was just a whole lot of material for somebody like me to editorialize about yeah and so it's like I got got to be a singing commentator I love that I still am I guess in some ways because I my commentary often comes out in the form of a song even though it's not on television 
we should mention that you've got a number of recordings out there. I'm not sure exactly how many CDs it is, but you sent me three that we're going to be highlighting some songs, some of these inventions that you've put together. To It's a way of spotlighting something that is either important in the world to you or that, you know, it needs analysis and we need to get it straightened out. So you have all kinds of songs. You usually use tunes that are pre-existing, so you're doing a parody when Usually. you're doing them. And if people go to PeterLighty.com, and Lighty, in case you don't know how to spell Lighty, obviously, it's L-E-I-D-Y, PeterLighty.com. Of course, there's a link on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. You can find his music and a lot more about him. There's bio and the kind of workshops that he does. We need to have people hear a little kind of music that you do create. So, Peter, why don't you just give us a sample and give us a setting for this music? Sure. My wife and I moved to Wisconsin from Michigan in 1984. We were on our way to Minneapolis where I was going to go to grad school and we were going ahead of time to find housing and to kind of check out the city, but I had been accepted and I was going to grad school there. And a friend at the last minute asked us to stop along the way. Can you guys stop in Madison and apartment sit for a day or two and feed a cat on your way up to Minneapolis? And we're like, sure, that's fine. We, for the first time, came to Madison and spent two days and changed our plans and just stayed. And um, (laughs) we really liked Madison. Rolled into Lodi and there you never got out. Rolled into Lodi. Well, if any of your listeners are familiar with State Street in Madison, that's where this apartment was. And, you know, you go out the apartment door and you turn left and you've got this beautiful campus and you've got all these coffee shops and pubs and restaurants and retail stores on State Street. And you've got the Capitol the other direction. And it's like, that is a beautiful building. Wow. We should just check out Madison a little bit. Within about an hour of wandering around, we were approached by a woman who picture someone with long, a woman with long hair and I'm just going to say like a hippie dress because I don't, I don't really know how to describe what she was wearing other than that she definitely was a barefooted woman in a hippie dress with long hair. And she was like, hey, you guys, are you interested in a sublet by any chance? And she was subletting <laughs> an apartment. And we said, well, about an hour ago, we wouldn't have been interested in that. But now tell us about it. And so she said, well, why don't you guys come over to the co-op where I live later and I can get you the key and I'll give you the address. And by the way, you're welcome to stay for dinner. And by the way, our co-op is like clothes optional. So just whatever. And we're like, (laughs) okay, we will be there to pick up that key and have your whole grain bread because that sounds really good. And we did. And the next thing you know, we sublet her place, which was on the east side of Madison. Anyway, that was our like welcome to Wisconsin. And we felt right at home. And we, we and it wasn't just Madison because we quickly started exploring the state whenever we could on weekends, we'd go camping. We just sort of fell in love with the culture of Wisconsin. It was like, there is a bunch of stuff going on around here that we just, it was all new to us. And it's, it's a beautiful state. So I put lyrics together to a song that everybody in this land knows, the Woody Guthrie song, This Land is Your Land, and it's a song called Wisconsin Was Made for You and Me. And so I, it, I wrote sort of a, I've written about three or four different love songs about Wisconsin, but that's one of them. 
And this is from Love and Money by Peter Lighty. Wisconsin was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is my land. From Lake Geneva to Madeline Island. From the rolling prairies to our lovely dairies. Wisconsin was made for you and me. If you roam and ramble our hills and woods here, you'll see firsthand why life's so good here. So plan your trip now. Come on, you know you should, dear. Wisconsin was made for you and me. We got Boscobel, Wisconsin Dells, Baraboo, the Kickapoo. And the only key in the world Yeah! Wisconsin was made for you and me You're from Ohio We'll show you Ryo Oklahoma You'll like Watoma You'll come right back up To Wapaka Cause Wisconsin was made for you and me Do you live in Boston? Come check out Boston. Pasadena, you gotta see Nina. If you're from Little Rock, you'll love Oconomowoc. Cause Wisconsin was made for you and me. We got friendly people in all our regions. We got our Germans, we got Norwegians. Not many Siberians, but we get snow in the wintertime. Wisconsin was made for you and me. We are the home of Laverne and Shirley. We got Sheboygan. Hey, we got Hurley. We got cheese, brats, beer. It's all right here. Wisconsin was made for you and me. Folks, you've learned several things about Peter Lighty from that adaptation of This Land Was Made For You And Me. It's Wisconsin's Made For You And Me. You've learned that he loves wordplay. You're mentioning all kinds of places, and there's people listening to this show over in Massachusetts and up in Washington State, out on high folks on Lopez Island and across California. There's five or six stations carrying this program. They won't necessarily know where Wanakee is or Lake Geneva or Madeline Islands or Oconomowoc, which is where I grew up. So they're not going to know all that, but now they've got a primer on this state and they can get around. So did you actually really make outings to all these places? You know, Madison is a pretty special area. It's kind of got this liberal bubble. Even people who are from all across the United States know about Madison, Wisconsin. But you found the rest of the state as amicable for you? Well, Madison is definitely a little bit in a world of its own. And I feel it often needs to be reminded that not everybody in Madison thinks it's the greatest place to live. My wife and I, have, like I said, we've raised two daughters here. We really find it to be kind of a, a really good fit for us. But as I'm sure many of your listeners know, and maybe some people don't know this, but Madison is a place that's really struggling with racial disparity. So is all of Wisconsin, in fact. And if you're not a person of color who experiences firsthand any type of profiling or being followed in a store or just the long list of disparities, 
you can kind of manage your way around Wisconsin and not even know that some of that exists if you don't want to know. A lot of what my energy these days is going into conversations and questions and getting where the action is about some of this stuff because it's sort of like if everybody's not part of the success of a community, then you know, the community can't really think of itself as successful. And so, yes, I love Madison. Yeah, I love Wisconsin. I'm also increasingly aware of what's not working that well in some of our communities. Still, the Mississippi River is one of our borders in the St. Croix River and, and Lake Superior and the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and Lake Michigan. And this beautiful forest in the north and lakes and the culture in Milwaukee and the history. Wisconsin just has this really incredible history. I'm, I'm standing on my porch looking out at some effigy mounds that were made by whoever was living right on, you know, close to Lake Monona here, you know, a thousand, fifteen hundred years ago. It's a rich area and, and I do love it. And yet most of your workshops that you do and the trainings that you do or the keynotes that you do, you're not a tourist expert for. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's not, you know, like, hey, come to Wisconsin and, you know, go to oh, the Wisconsin right. Dells, although you included that in that song. Yeah, I think that the people that hear your show that live on an island in the state of Washington, if they've never been to Wisconsin, they should definitely come and do a tour. They should they should camp and you know they could probably stay in our house and not all of them i don't know how many people live on that island but uh but <laughs> there's some few thousands of them, but, but yeah they all come at once so it'll but be yeah 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 they can't they just can't come at once all at once but no I, I don't go around promoting you know come to wisconsin come to wisconsin but sometimes i am moved to put into words sometimes some of the either the things that i love about wisconsin or just some of our quirky public figures or quirky you know, there's a website your listeners might want to look at sometime too that's called Mispronouncer. It's like just Miss, M I S S, pronouncer. And this woman who keeps track of like Wisconsin names of people and cities and lakes and things that are, if you're not from around here, they're hard to pronounce. But about half of my work I do in Wisconsin and half I'm elsewhere. I'm usually in the U.S., but I'm working more these days, gradually working more in Canada and have worked in the UK and Australia. And it's not like I'm going out trying to like sell Wisconsin at all, but I do. I'm fond of our experience in life in this state, but I also love to travel. Well, one thing I did want to highlight, Peter, is the reason that I ended up getting connected with you. Since I don't live in Madison, I'm a three hours drive away. I have lots of friends in Madison, and I specifically want to say hello to the folks at WMUU which right there, it's a radio station that the license is issued to the First Unitarian Society down there. They just started carrying this program, Spirit in Action. I'm glad to hear that. And I, I think being America's Dairyland, what other call letters would you want than WMUU? <laughs> it's radio that moves you, yes. And the reason I got a hold of you was because I had Mike McCabe on my program and a Nation of Blue Jeans is a song that you made for the big Blue Jeans revival. And in case people don't have a sense, didn't listen to that interview with Mike McCabe. He's trying to find a new way. Uh, maybe you'd call it a third party, but it's not just a third party. It's not like let's start the Green Party. But it's talking about that which unites really the 99% of us. It's about a state and a country that's for us all. 
evidently you must be friends with Mike Peter because he had you make the keynote address. And so did you finish it, what, the hour before that you had to play it there? <laughs> well, what actually happened was that Mike was leaving his position at the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign. And when I first started hearing about the Blue Jean Nation project that he was getting off the ground, and it's just, it's really fun to see. It's really great to see people kind of saying, I don't have a lot of money. What if I want to run for elected office? What if I want to run for something, but I don't have rich donors because the elections cost so much. And, and that's what Mike has spent a bunch of his career about. It's like, let's not lose track of one person, one vote. <laughs> this is a representative democracy, I think, if I remember my civics right, or is it a democratic republic? But either way, everybody has a voice, right? If you're 18, you can vote. And so people feel left out of the process. People just literally feel left out. And so I, and I'm one of those people. And so I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Let's do this, Blue Jean Nation. And so months before that revival, we didn't even know there was going to be a revival. I mentioned just casually to Mike, Mike, hey, listen, I'm working on a song for Blue Jean Nation. He's like, hey, I can't wait to hear it. Let me know when it's done. So months go by and I see, oh, Blue Jean Nation revival is coming up. I'm going to sign up for that. And so I registered for it. And about three days beforehand, Mike says, hey, would you be willing to perform whatever that song is you wrote for Blue Jean Nation at the revival? And I said, yes, Mike, thank you very much for reminding me about writing that song because I got to get that thing done. So I did. I mean, I knew that I was going to borrow the Neil Diamond song, but I just didn't have any words to it yet. And then I, I made some words to it. And then I sang it at the revival, which was really fun. And the audience was into it because that's just like you're preaching to the choir. That's what I was doing. So that's how that song came about. And it's called A Nation in Blue Jeans by Peter Lighty. Money talks, wants to silence us, yeah, money talks, and since the powers that be just won't see, we'd much rather be a nation in blue jeans. Since you asked, we're neither elephant nor ass. Homeless politically, we'll just have to be a nation in blue jeans. Maybe today, maybe we will find a way to get out of that trap. Nothing to lose but the ooze of the Since that money doesn't make us free, we'd much rather be a nation in blue jeans, babe. And since you asked, we're neither elephant nor ass. And if you pardon me, I'd like to say we'll do okay as a nation in blue jeans. Maybe today, maybe we will find a way. 
Citizens United, you know money talks Folks like us in the driver's seat We'll be so sweet A nation in blue jeans Folks like us in the driver's seat We'll be so sweet A nation in blue jeans, babe And if you'll pardon me I'd like to Folks, you can see Peter Lighty in the flesh performing that song at the Blue Jeans Revival. There's a link to it on YouTube, and I have it on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. Just to remind you, this is a Northern Spirit Radio production called Spirit in Action. You find us on the web, NorthernSpiritRadio.org, with more than 11 years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find links to our guests, so if you don't know that Lydie is spelled L-E-I-D-Y, you can still find a link to PeterLydie.com on our site, and more information, including the list of songs that we're including or other such information about our guests. There's also a place to make donations that's extremely important to us since that is the full source of financing. And when we talk about something about Nation of Blue Jeans and not having big donors, if each of us contributes our dollar, then we can outspend even the billionaires. Your support is very important. Click donate when you come to NorthernSpiritRadio.org. Even more important, though, than supporting Northern Spirit Radio is to support your local community radio station. I mentioned that WMUU just started carrying Spirit in Action this past month. So please remember to support your local community radio station, providing an alternative source of music and of news that you get nowhere else. And this is really news and music from the people. So start by supporting. Supporting them. Peter Lighty is here. We've talked about a lot of things, but we haven't really talked a lot about the training that he does and the work that he does with people with disabilities. We're going to get into that in the second half, along with a number of the topical type songs that he includes as part of his workshops and his keynotes and other presentations that he does. But we just heard Nation in Blue Jeans. And so I, I really appreciate that song, Peter. Besides taking Neil Diamond's tune, you've really got that facility with words and visions and word images. Who's your backup band? <laughs> Good question. Well, on that song, for $1.29, I bought the karaoke version of Forever in Blue Jeans. I'm glad you asked that, though, because people often ask me, since I do a lot of parodies, so do you like get permission from people like Neil Diamond or, you know, the Backstreet Boys or any number of people whose song would somehow inspired me? I, I don't even I can't even get into why the Backstreet Boys inspired a song of mine, but they really did. But no, the answer is no. I never I never do that because for two reasons. Number one, they will never know who I am and my song or my version of, of one of their songs will never put a dent in their sales. This will not hurt them at all. That's the way I want to look at it. Plus, there is a Supreme Court decision that says parodies are okay. 
and I always give credit. I do give credit to people. I'm like, this is a song by Neil Diamond originally, and I'm just going to change some lyrics. But I partly do that because tunes are going through my head a lot from just growing up in the 60s and 70s, listening to the radio all the time. And I have all these songs that are just like, they won't go away. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, well, these lyrics... I. This issue reminds me a little bit of this song, so I think I'm going to put that together and see what comes up. I also do write my own songs sometimes. I'm not prolific at that, but I'm much more of like, let's put some words together than I am like, let's get the right arrangement of music. You know, I play guitar and that's it. A little bit of ukulele, but mostly I play guitar and I just have fun with it. And it's funny because I didn't grow up playing an instrument. I grew up loving to sing. But when I worked for this organization called Options in Community Living, where I worked for about 19 years, the culture allowed, embraced, encouraged people who worked there to express ideas about our work in creative ways, whatever that means. It might be share a poem. It might be do a skit. It might be sing a song. It might be whatever to sort of like have our workplace have a sense of creativity and curiosity and a way of sharing what we're learning about this important work of supporting people with disabilities in new and different ways. And so I totally give credit to the workplace culture there for bringing to life in me this idea about, hmm, that seems like that would make a good song what just happened yesterday or what's going on in this person's life. And then that eventually also turned into these reflections about Wisconsin and about politics. But yes, you were saying earlier that most of what I do in my day job, in my work, does have to do with issues related to disability and inclusion and the workshops and the training and that kind of stuff that takes me around to different places is with people who have disabilities and people who support and who are paid to work with people with disabilities and family members of people with disabilities, which is just a huge source of when I ended up getting into that kind of work, which was not on purpose. It just happened one day. It changed my life in a very short time. It was, I just felt like this was, you know, speaking of, have you had Parker Palmer ever on your show? Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. I thought so. And I remember reading a few years ago his book, Let Your Life Speak. It really resonated with me because even though that he hadn't written that when I first got my job in the field of disabilities, I immediately felt like I know what he's talking about. Like I, I got at least the part about, are you where you're meant to be? Are you, do you feel like what you're doing is matched with who you are and your values? When that happened for me, it was just this whole world opened up that really changed my life in a big way and continues to every single day. In one of your emails to me, you told me that you're a glass half full type of guy. I totally get what that's about. I'm I'm probably a glass three quarters full type of guy. <laughs> Some people can accuse me of being a little too Pollyannish or something for that matter. But has your working with people with disabilities I think, nurtured your ability to see the half-full glass and to see gifts in people. I mean, a lot of people will focus on, well, you know, he's missing a finger, he's missing an arm, or he's blind, or they'll focus on that. But it seems like you natively find the sunshine coming through someone. Yeah, I kind of started out life that way. That's true. I think I've kind of been inclined in that direction forever or for my whole life. But anyway, you've just touched on something that's really, I think, very, very important. And that is, and it is not just about disability, 
because that's my world of work and not just work, but a lot of my personal life is around issues related to disability because of people who become friends of mine. And this is the risk that people with disabilities not only might be bullied, might be teased or mocked even by someone who has risen to the level of being a nominee for the president of the United States, but also because those kinds of things are obvious and they're right out there and almost anyone can relate to those. And most of us would agree, that's just not cool. You know, that's not cool. It still happens, right? So we teach our kids not to bully. That's not okay, right? But what's even, I think, a larger problem is the risk of invisibility, the risk of being left out, the risk of loneliness. And a couple of my mentors talk a lot about that, you know, loneliness is the only real disability because by and large, people with disabilities are not sitting around going, oh, poor me, I have a disability. They're like living life or they want to live life. When doors are shut, and I don't just mean figuratively or literally, but when, you know, when opportunities don't exist, when the unemployment rate for people with disabilities is so, so high, when, you know, we still haven't lived up to the Americans with Disabilities Act in terms of how the freedom that's supposed to come with that, when so many people are still institutionalized, when kids in school so often still are in separate classrooms and, you know, on behavior programs that are doing more harm than good, we really have so far to go still in which, you know, this helps motivate people like me to kind of want to keep working as hard as we can, you know, to not deny or ignore a disability, but to not let that guide decisions about who's in and who's out. A friend of mine, Diamon Harchis, who does this incredible work in Indianapolis in his neighborhood where he's looking for the gifts in people. And, you know, this is a neighborhood that would be called a, quote, troubled neighborhood. It's a neighborhood of, uh, with high poverty and, and a pretty high crime rate. And I might recommend that you would maybe want to talk with him, in fact, for your show. But he talks about that his job is about making the invisible visible and finding the gifts in people that are there but they're sort of stifled because life is such for this person or for this family that those gifts that they have are not celebrated, are not seen or appreciated because life is really hard. And that's really inspiring to me, that kind of work about asset-based community development born out of, I'm pretty sure, Northwestern University. John McKnight, check out a book called The Abundant Community. That's a must. That's such a good book. Anyway, it's that thing about like, okay, you have Down syndrome, fine. That tells me very little about who you really are because there's everything else about you that is exactly like other human beings are, right? So let's figure out how everybody can be in, right? Not, not just some of us. So a number of years ago, I wrote a song that's based on my getting to know a variety of different people over the years who have disabilities. And the song is called Everybody Has a Gift. One of the lines in that song talks about listening with more than your ears and seeing with more than your eyes because there are these deeper connections that we have with people or that we can have with each other. And it begins by just recognizing that every human being has something to offer. You know, everybody has something to offer. It's just that some people need more help with bringing that to light. Everybody has a gift, Peter Lighty. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a gift Listen with more than your ears And you will believe it Everybody has a gift Everybody has a gift 
Open more than your eyes and you can receive it It might be a fine sense of humor Or maybe exceptional taste A passion for justice, a generous heart Humility, wisdom, or a friendly face She's a builder of bridges He gives others a lift Every person has something that needs to be known That's right, everyone has a gift Everybody has a gift Everybody has a gift Listen with more than your ears And you will believe it Everybody has a gift Everybody has a gift Open more than your eyes And you can receive it It might be a talent for acting Or a pair of dancing feet A contagious laugh A sense of wonder Comforting arms or a smile so sweet He has a flair for fishing She's a lover of life He's a colorful painter She's a squeaky wheel He does a great impression Of Barney Fife She's a true survivor Not like that show on TV He takes one day at a time And sees things Others don't see She brings people together has the right stuff for healing a rift He's a practical joker She's an ace at poker He's a mood picker-upper She's a never-give-upper She's a peacemaker He's a bread baker She stops by just to say hi Everyone, everyone Everyone has a gift Everybody has a gift Everybody has a gift Listen with more than your ears and you will believe it Everybody has a gift Everybody has a gift Open more than your eyes and you can receive it It could be something surprising I never encountered before but how can I say unless I seize the day and let my curiosity open that door? I hope that song got you thinking about the gifts that maybe you hadn't been looking for. You didn't have ears to hear and eyes to see. That, in fact, everybody's got a different kind of gift. That You named at least one in there. I'm sure a lot of people saying, wait a minute, the squeaky wheel is a gift? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Right. In my experience, sometimes the squeaky wheel, what gets called the squeaky wheel is that persistent person who just finally when the right person hears what that squeak is, it's like, oh, of course. Like, yes, there's a reason why that wheel was squeaking. And it's because it had to. It was an important thing. And, you know, one of the things, and I think people can relate to this, even if what I'm saying right now isn't part of your world. We mostly, when our kids are growing up, maybe when, when we were growing up, it was our parents or our, our caretakers, instill in us this thing called assertiveness, 
right? We value that. We think assertiveness is important because, you know, you don't have to do what your friends are doing if you don't think it's good. Or you can say no. You don't have to follow the crowd or do what that person is asking you to do or wanting to do, right? We all agree. Like everybody right now that's hearing this is nodding their head like, yeah, that's right. Of course. Well, what happens oftentimes for people who are growing up who have disabilities, particularly intellectual and developmental disabilities, is that what gets instilled sometimes, maybe in families, but largely in the human service system, is the sense of do what the authority says. In schools, it might be written into their plan, you know, follow all adult instruction. What happens is that sometimes those kids grow up and become adults, and they never got the assertiveness training. And so there's this sort of sense still of you do what someone else tells you to do. And that actually causes great harm potentially to people because that's where you get in trouble. You know, if you, why did you get in that stranger's car? You say to this 35-year-old woman, well, because he told me to. And so this is something that the squeaky wheel is, is actually a really important thing because it's, it's sometimes what I'm doing in my trainings and workshops is saying to people, you got to call the question on some of this stuff. There's too much of a compliance mentality. And unfortunately, that happens a lot in the lives of people who have disabilities, where it's other people are kind of running the show for them. And so that's actually a theme in a lot of my work that I'm doing is, is helping people understand that we don't need to have a different standard for someone just because they have a label of autism or cerebral palsy or Down syndrome or whatever. What is it, though, that I don't know about folks with disabilities that if we had you come and do a workshop or a presentation or something, that would make a light go on for me? What could you tell me? I would probably introduce you to some people that I know or that I've known over the last 30 plus years that I've been thinking about this stuff. I would want you to know that our communities are stronger the more diverse they are and the more that we're listening to voices from everywhere, including voices from people who actually don't have a literal voice because they don't communicate verbally. I would definitely share with you some anecdotes. I would show you some video clips of some people that are just spot on with making a point directly from their own life experience having a disability. I would encourage you to Think of your own personal network and who do you know that might be the kind of person that would entertain the thought of hiring a person with a disability to do a job that matches a need that the employer has with a skill that the person with a disability has because that's not happening enough. It's happening, not happening enough. I'm talking about adults in that case, although a lot of kids get a job when they're still kids and so let's not rule that out either. But I tell stories and I use some songs and I use videos and I use stories of people who I know to look at the question of what is it that separates us from each other? What's been created? Because we weren't born with this idea that we're all separate, that we need to be separate from each other. So along the way, we grow up and we start dividing out, you know, me, you, us and them, those kids, my gang, that gang. And I'm really interested in finding more and more ways for people to get together. And I'd encourage you to get to know people, get to know someone with a disability. If you don't, there's no shortage. That'd be easy to set up in any community and spend some time and get to know people. And you would see the gifts. You'd see some of those things that I'm singing in that song, but you'd see other ones and you'd see many. And then it's like, whoa, like, honestly, some of the people with intellectual disabilities that I know have the intelligence that comes 
from them, the intelligence they have. It's so rich. It's, it's amazing. It's just, it's amazing. I could go on for a long time. But we won't because we're going to run out of time here. <laughs> and, and I want to actually expose people to a couple more of your songs. But people should go to PeterLeidy.com. Leidy, again, is L-E-I-D-Y. PeterLeidy.com. And there's a link on NordenSpiritRadio.org. And people, my website, it's really easy. Just if you do visit, you can find the contact me. You can send me an email with any questions. In other words, my site isn't designed just for like, come and buy stuff. Although there is definitely stuff for sale there. But I think some of the songs that we've been talking about today and listening to probably aren't actually on my website. But if you're interested, yeah, contact me for sure. And there's, there's some resources on there and some other links. And for people who don't live in Wisconsin, even if you don't live in Wisconsin, I bet about five years ago-ish you were aware because we were all over the news. We had more people demonstrating and protesting at our state capitol than since the Vietnam War era over some decisions that our governor and legislature made. Um, and put into law that had partly had to do with essentially decimating our public unions. And you had people from all walks of life that were anywhere from troubled to outraged that were showing up who, even people who voted for our governor in that legislature. And at the time, our leadership in the legislature was actually shared by the Fitzgerald brothers. One led the Senate, one led the Assembly which with all the stuff that was going on and with all of the huge, and in my opinion, a very negative changes to our state laws, an old Gordon Lightfoot song kept coming to mind and it turned into this song called The Wreck of the Brothers Fitzgerald. The legend lives on from Superior on down of the great state we call Wisconsin. T'was the year 2010 when disaster set in and Russ Feingold lost to Ron Johnson With help from Koch brothers There were quite a few others Putting working folks over the barrel With Governor Scott came a dastardly plot And the wreck of the brothers Fitzgerald Public employees, they serve our state well But the Gov and the Fitzes don't think so Giving workers a stab with their big power grab Just one reason that this bill stinks so Well, the Capitol Dome, it's the people's home But democracy soon was in peril A few with the clout began locking us out It's the wreck of the brothers Fitzgerald Does anyone know where the decency goes? When you beat up on teachers and nurses And take funding from those who need it the most To fill up the millionaire's purses Yes, the legend lives on from Superior on down From Beloit to Viroqua to Merrill And it's still not too late to save our great state From the wreck of the brothers Fitzgerald Peter Leidy's adaptation of a song by Gordon Lightfoot. Just have to mention, I was just up in the Boundary Waters, stopped in a restaurant on the way home, and there was a picture of the Edmund Fitzgerald the, that the Gordon Lightfoot song was about. 
In this case, we're talking about the wreck of much of politics in Wisconsin. Wisconsin has a pretty illustrious history for a lot of creativity across the political scale. This is the home of the John Birch Society and the Republican Party in Ripon, Wisconsin. It, you know, one of these minority states that has been blue and the rest of the nation is red sometimes. And so the wreck that happened in 2011, it's a wreck from my point of view and obviously yours, Peter. Well, I think we have time to squeeze in one more song, Peter. Yeah, what about a rousing song that just gets people marching, maybe uh, gets people, you know, pretending to play trombone? This is a song that I did a number of years ago, and, and people who aren't in Wisconsin definitely won't know the people that are the characters in the song. But it was going to be for it was for that program I talked about on Wisconsin Public Television here and now, and it was the Friday before the Fourth of July, and I thought this show needs some sort of a Fourth of July themed tune. I got a copy of Stars and Stripes Forever. And I wrote out the words. I didn't quite know how they'd fit in that song because that song isn't really designed to be sung, but I'm not going to let that stop me. I sang that song. I called it Scars and Gripes Forever because there were a lot of scars in the Wisconsin political scene at that time and lots of griping. And the song kind of tells the story about that year's budget battle in the state because we're one of the states that has a in our constitution wisconsin has to have in our biennial budget it's got to be balanced so when governors say i balance the budget and it's like yeah because legally you have to every two years we have a budget battle and that's what this song is about so we're going to finish off talking with peter lighty about his music about his work with people with disabilities about the way he inspires inspires and moves people in a positive direction, I guess I'd say. So go check it out at his website, peterlighty.com. Peter, we'll see you again soon, won't we? Thanks, Mark. I really appreciated talking with you. A reminder that Peter Lighty will be part of the musicians contributing to the Saturday, October 15th, 2016 event, Broadcasting from the Heartland. Details on northernspiritradio.org, where you'll also find some bonus excerpts of this interview that we couldn't fit into the broadcast. Thanks to Andrew Jansen for production assistance, and we'll see you next week for Spirit in Action. Here's Peter Lighty and Scars and Gripes Forever. As the state budget battle in Wisconsin rattled on and on from winter into spring and finally into summer, there were plenty of politics as usual, which increasingly got dumber. Yes, on and on it went, back and forth the accusations flew from winter to spring and finally into summer, playing politics as usual. Things just kept on getting dumber When the time came along for the Senate to make Its own version of a spending plan Republican majority was short on votes So they made themselves a deal with one man Yes, the time came along for the Senate to make Their very own budget plan The GOP was short one vote It was time to deal with a certain man Looking grim for the Republicans They needed a Democrat to switch sides They knew they had just one hope 
Only one might sell his vote So they quickly concocted a plan A deal that would prove irresistible To bring Gary George to their side And take us all, take us all for a ride In the middle of the night In the darkness of the night Three in the morning, three in the morning A 3 a.m. amendment to buy a vote from Gary But before voting they did debate And the fireworks really began to fly Senators becoming irate Emotions were running high Mary Panzer was leading the way After all, she's majority leader She lured Gary George with a prize It was a package of considerable size In the middle of the night In the darkness of the night Mary said to Gary Gary said to Mary, Mary, Gary, Mary, Gary, Gary, Mary, pork, 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 pork. Have some pork and then have some more pork. How about some pork with your pork? Would you like another helping of pork? Don't be shy, help yourself, have more pork. I insist that you take more pork. Eat it up with a spoon and a fork Yummy pork, yummy pork, yummy pork The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. This Spirit in Action program is an effort of Northern Spirit Radio. You can listen to our programs and find links and information about us and our guests on our website, northernspiritradio.org. Thank you for listening. I am your host, Mark Helpsmeet, and I welcome your comments and stories of those leading lives of spiritual fruit. May you find deep roots to support you and grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice.